Yo, cuz. I, I know why you got the car last night. Shouldn't have been there in the first place. You don't want that shit to come back to haunt you. I've been up this early in a long time. Turned on the TV this morning. Had this shit on about about living in a violent, a violent world. Showed all these foreign places. Foreigners living on. Started thinking, man. Either they don't know, don't show. I don't care about what's going on in the hood. Can you hear me? Yeah, Patrick Beverly face. Draymond Green face. How was your week? It's been an eventful week. Very fun-filled weekend. Yeah, it's been a hell of a weekend. To say the least. Did you... uh? This is uh, what a week later. Is it still considered? Uh, people still say spoiler alerts. A week later, what's the time frame on a spoiler? When can you start talking about something? Yeah, I would give you a week, at least. I think that's being very generous. Uh, for something like Avengers, where the tickets were very limited, I would give you a week. But if we're talking about like Game of Thrones, you got like two days. And like, <laughs> like, but Sunday's episode, like, I didn't even care. I was just, if you if you call yourself a fan, you should have been tuned in HBO Now on your phone. You should have been home. Like, there was no excuse. Like, I don't care. We're you gonna get you on your own. We're gonna get fully into Game of Thrones and Avengers later. But I just wanted to get your take on when you think spoilers. Um, What's the time frame? But you said a week. Um, That's very generous. Yeah, for something like Avengers, I would give you a week because it was hard to get tickets for that. Um, You know, that that joint did 1.2 in one weekend. So I can understand that. But a TV show, you got a day or two. Yeah, we're going to get into our full uh, Avengers bag and uh, our full uh, Game of Thrones bag later on because I don't I don't want to do it a disservice and just run through it on a two-minute drive-by because that's actually... Both of those are really important. Uh, I'm going to put a push-pin on that $1.2 billion because uh, that's a huge part of the conversation yeah. we're going to have. Well, um, first and foremost, I want to... Um, Say rest in peace to John Singleton. We opened up with that clip, and rest if you don't peace. know where that movie is from, shame on you. Have your black card revoked. Turn it back um, in. But yeah, rest in peace to um, John Singleton. What is your fondest memory of uh, John? Not like you knew him personally, but like um, through his work, obviously. 
My favorite John Singleton joint is Baby Boy. Um, <laughs> I remember when when Bishop took me and Courtney to the movies, we were trying to see Baby Boy. <laughs> he was like, yeah, nah. I don't think I should see that on my watch. <laughs> and um, like we were so upset, like, yeah, hey, we want to see Baby Boy. So we made it our business to see Baby Boy like by the end of summer. And yeah, that's still one of our most like <laughs> quoted movies to each other. We still laugh about, you know, Jody, my Jody. So um, <laughs> I would say Baby Boy, uh, Boys in the Hood is up there as well. Four, four Brothers. <laughs> Don't give a fuck about your fort, little nigga. The baby I hate boy. you. <laughs> the baby boy got me <laughs> Yeah, so baby boy is definitely my favorite. Um, John Singleton joint. Boys in the Hood is up there too. Um, I gotta revisit Higher Learning. And that came out when we were like nine. I gotta now, Remy. Do it now. <laughs> yeah, I got to revisit how you learn it. I saw it on Amazon. Why do you pay for Amazon Prime, but then you still have to pay for like the TV shows and the movies? <laughs> I'm like, I'm Googling it to see like what streaming service has it. It's like Amazon Prime $2.99. I'm like, what? Like we pay $100 a year, $120. I think they went up on the rate. Like why would you still have to pay for it individually when you pay like that didn't bug me out, but yeah, I'm a probably not this weekend because we're gonna be out of town. But I'm a I'm a I'm a rewatch uh, High Learning, see it through a different you know time and age, see how that you know sits in my soul. But yeah, rest in peace, John Singleton. Um, a lot of people don't know uh, John Singleton. Kinda... Yes, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he did. He he did Snowfall. He did Legion. He did um. Well, no, no, no. He didn't do Legion. I'm sorry. He did Snowfall. Um. I'm thinking of the movies he did. He did Snowfall. He did Higher Learning. He did Poetic Justice. He did Too Fast Too Furious. He did Four Brothers. Um. Boys in the Hood. Rosewood. Baby Boy. So yeah, he gave us a lot of the um. Out of hood classics. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of people like to say what movies are hood classics and John is responsible for a good portion of those movies. Um, For me, when I saw that he had a stroke, I was like, dang, I hope he pulls through. Only because um, he's just such a brilliant mind. He wrote and directed a good portion of those movies. Um, High Learning, uh, Boys in the Hood, like wrote and directed at the time he was the youngest person um ever to produce and uh, to do to write and direct a movie with boys in the hood um when i when i heard that he passed the first thing i thought about and thinking about his legacy and all that other stuff was um as a kid from new york who had no like i traveled with my family like you know we travel but when you travel you usually go to like touristy spots um, John Singleton took you into what South Central Los Angeles looked like without you having to go there. 
He was your yeah. um, before your Kendricks and before Kendrick gave us Good Kid, Mad City. That kind of was like a a map or outline for South Central. Um, John Singleton took us there with ba- um Boys in the Hood, and he showed you like the opening clip was saying uh um when Doughboy was <laughs> talking to Trey and saying like he was watching the news and they were pretty much were saying um the news don't care about what happens in the hood that was like that story in itself about you know the gang violence and how uh pretty much we were killing each other um just how impactful that was in bringing the world into um how the ghetto was and how you know there were people out there actually trying to make it. Um, we joked on here when uh, Lori had her issues with getting her kids into school, where it was like, Ricky had a 720, so how dumb are your kids that you can't get into? SC. Facts. Yeah, yeah. He gave us that um that glimpse inside uh South Central, and I want to say it was my first time seeing gang culture and what that looked like. Um, when you're younger, nobody nobody and their mama was trying to let you watch Boys in the Hood or any of those hood classics. That, um, yeah, you you just weren't you you had to go in another room or. <laughs> The day uh, uh, adults or older people would wait until you were out of the house or sleep to watch it, and you would have to sneak and watch uh, Boys in the Hood or any of those movies because they just weren't for you. Like you said, Bishop was like, "Nah, y'all ain't watching Baby Boy," and that's wild, funny because like <laughs> you, you would think like somebody like him would be completely oblivious to what the movie was about and would just take you anyway, but he was like, "Nah." <laughs> Nah, y'all need to y'all need to see that that type of content. <laughs> <laughs> we were so mad, <laughs> but then when we watched it. We was like, oh, okay, yeah, this <laughs> this is a little bit beyond our you know age, but yeah. Baby Boy is still one. Like I would still watch Baby Boy if it came on like right now. And we quote on Baby Boy at least. Six yeah, I can't times. watch like commercials though because it just takes away from it. But yeah, BET do be running Baby Boy. I don't like watching. I don't like watching my favorite movies with commercials. It just disrupts the flow. is is not the same. It's a disservice, actually, to somebody's art. You just want to be inserting ads in the middle of it. Like, nah, don't do that. See, now I could watch. Um, I hate movies with commercials as well, especially when they on. A network that don't play the curses and you hear like the over talking I, mm-hmm. I, I could watch like Casino or one of those movies like that but that's a three hour movie that now you turn it into four and a half Five hours because you break yeah, it like, nah. you break it down with commercials it is disrespectful I, sidebar what's even more disrespectful nowadays have you seen what they did to like what they're doing to like Martin episodes like where it's just a crazy like cut off in the middle of a scene? Nah. <laughs> like, I haven't. <laughs> when That's wild this though. Like, I, yo, I, I, I do that. <laughs> I remember watching the, um, 
recently, the uh, DMV episode. And typically when it first came on, there was a break before he did the, um, the vision test. Nigga, the joint went straight to commercial when um he was trying to cheat off homeboy's test. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I'm like, that's nah. not where the commercial break was supposed to be. Nah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, wild. It, disrespectful. That's wild. Disrespectful. But um, one of the other things that uh a cool part about baby boy um that i want to also get into was and thinking back to it john singleton was ahead of his time and a lot of what he um yeah the content that he produced yeah and here's a, another clip from boys in the hood when trey and ricky go see Trey's pops, and he has a conversation with them about gentrification. Let me just show y'all here, right quick. Hey man, I don't know about all this period. Let's walk around my fucking Compton and all, man. Rick, it's the 90s. Can't afford to be afraid of our own people anymore, man. Would you two knuckleheads come on? Why don't y'all take a look at that sign up there? See what it says? Cash for your home? You know what that is? What are y'all, missing Andy? Are you stepping and he's fetching? I'm talking about the message, what it stands for. It's called gentrification. It's what happens when the property value of a certain area is brought down. Huh? You listening? Yeah. They bring the property value down. They can buy land at a lower price. Then they move all the people out, raise the property value, and sell it at a profit. Now, what we need to do is we need to keep everything in our neighborhood, everything, black. Black owned with black money, just like the Jews, the Italians, the Mexicans, and the Koreans do. Ain't nobody from outside bringing down the property value. It's these folk shooting each other and selling that crack rock and shit. Well, how you think the crack rock gets into the country? We don't own any planes. We don't own no ships. We are not the people who are flying and floating that shit in here. I know every time you turn on the TV, you see black people. Yeah. What did you say? I said, talk, Hotep King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that nigga, uh, Forrest was on his, uh, Malcolm X way yeah. before it was popular. Right? <laughs> um, but yeah, he said it's the, the gentrification when you take the, when the value of an area depreciates and you offer people cash to get out of the neighborhood so that you can rebuild it again, most times they offer you way more than your house is worth just so you can get out and they can put, uh, uh, I don't know, high rise buildings, uh, retail shops. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of a lot of gold nuggets given in that little uh, segment. Um, but, but it led me into um, Jay's freestyle in honor of Nipsey. Standing. Yeah, I did. Standing. You see, I did that there. And that was a nice little sag. I appreciate you. Give me my All right, all right, all right. But it did. Yeah. So this is a. We're going to have the gentrification conversation, but this is a. Hove uh, giving us a glimpse into what Nipsey was doing with uh, the marathon and that block and that shopping center that he brought um, on the corner of Slauson and Crenshaw. Gentrify your own hood before these people do it. Play eminent domain and have your people moving. That's a small glimpse into what Nipsey was doing. Anybody still confused as to what he was doing? The neighborhood designed to keep us trapped. They redlined it, so property crimes if you live by blacks. They depress the asset and take the property back. It's a ruthless but a genius plan, in fact. So now we fighting over scraps. Crabs in the barrel, but crabs don't belong in the barrel. They ain't never tell us that. So in the barrel, we gonna act like we act. We can easily get out the barrel. We stand on each other's back. Whoever gets on top, as long as they stay attached, they can pull everybody out. I was doing just that. I told neighborhood niggas to stay close. A hundred million dollars on your schedule. Lay low. Tell your team to be on point in the places that they go. I never dream to get killed in the place that you call home. Probably gonna get a power with the sauce. Y'all like to run off on the plug. So of course, that ain't lit. That's a means to an end. Me and my team was playing the plug ahead of plan. Sometimes he's only making a thousand a joint. That ain't no money, but that ain't the point. So those 92 bricks was only 92 thousand. So y'all can close your mind, but ain't nothing for y'all to lie. Gentrify your own hood before these people do it. Did you see the uh, controversy that was on Twitter about uh, people saying that uh, Jay was a hypocrite? <laughs> Why? Uh, because he was preaching uh, in this rap to gentrify your hood before the people do it, but he kind of played a part in the gentrification of Brooklyn with the Barclays Center. Yeah. And a lot of people were saying that. Um, the point one percentage that he had where he was trying to do something for Brooklyn kind of had people uprooted. And I'm sure he didn't have any say or stake in what was going on. He, they used him as a face. Call a spade a spade. Yeah. Um, I think nobody else, if you want to say spokesper spokesperson for Brooklyn, there's nobody else that you would have gotten to get like have people get behind that than him. But yeah, they're saying that uh, he's pretty much a hypocrite because he's preaching uh, for us to gentrify our own hoods when he had uh, them Russians come in and uproot black people. Yeah. What has Jay done in his hood? 
I'm not trying to be funny. Like, I just, I'm really curious. I could be ignorant if he has. Like, has he done something along the lines of what Nip was doing in L.A.? But I guess that's what he was... I guess that's what he was doing with the Barclays Center. Because if you listen to him, whenever they speak about how the Nets got to Brooklyn, his thing was to give Brooklyn something to be happy for. Like, um, Jason Kidd brought it up to him, like, yo, how about, what would you think about moving the Nets to Brooklyn? And Jay was like, yeah, like, why not? I think um, what he was trying to do with that, not, I don't, never know people's intent um i think what he was trying to do was provide more jobs and they give brook like it's still crazy that you go downtown brooklyn and there's a basketball arena in the middle of downtown yeah, like, brooklyn. the idea of it sounds nice like oh we got a uh an arena in downtown blase blase you're gonna get jobs in brooklyn blase blase but it's like that arena really hurt more than it helped. Now, I don't know if Jay-Z had this. You know, you know, people grow and a lot of information is new. Come across new things every day. Um, things you're experiencing in life is a teachable moment. I don't know. Maybe he didn't know back then the cause and effects. Maybe he didn't really grasp it. Maybe he was oblivious. I don't know. Like you said, you don't really know someone's intent. Even when they tell you something, you still don't know if that was their real intent. So we don't like we don't know. But that that arena that pushed a lot of people out, changed downtown Brooklyn drastically. The jobs that he did or did they help create in that arena does not compare to the cost of living within the parameters of that arena. Um, so yeah, I could see why someone would call him a hypocrite on Twitter. But you know what the the other thing to that is, I don't know if it's, um, due to Barclays per se, but there's also an Apple store, like smack dab in the same area. So... Mm -hmm. If it wasn't this, it would have been something else. If it wasn't like Apple, it would have been something else. Um, I do think how they get a lot of um, us um, African-Americans um, before we are knowledgeable, they could have sold him on the idea of bringing jobs to um, bringing jobs to Brooklyn, right? So let's just say that part of that conversation was them not being forefront forefront with what was happening, but hey, we're gonna create a whole bunch of jobs. Right? Yeah. I know he has I know he has a the, the Sean Carter Foundation that does a lot of stuff to help um people in Marcy and um in Brooklyn, but in terms of what he's actually done himself, like everybody does toy drives and coat drives and turkey drives and all that other stuff but I think there was a, a time when Jay was ascending into this business place that he's in now where they could have had that conversation like well yeah Sean we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna um, 
increase the jobs in, in this area and there's going to be more opportunities for people around here to work and not really told him in order in order for us to do that, we got to get rid of X, Y, and Z. This is going to be the ramifications of us putting this where we're putting well, Yeah, you could tell that to maybe maybe like a blue face. But Jay-Z was old enough and he was smart enough. And at that time, like he had it and there was a lot of smart people around him. Like, I can't just see him being sold on like, oh yeah, we're going to put 2,000 jobs. Like, you had to have known, you had to have known what was going to come with an arena downtown Brooklyn. I can't see him not knowing that. You know how much it costs to live down there, bro? I know how much it costs to live in New York, period. In, like, areas like that, I'm sure they, uh, they set the price crazy because the price is crazy in Harlem. But like, I feel like the only cheap spots which aren't going to be cheap anymore are Queens and the Bronx. Yeah. And there's nothing. So my thing is, okay, maybe they duped you, you know, into this 1% or whatever you had, made you the face of it, you know, kind of like the porch monkey and got you, you know, sold it. Maybe they did that to him. I don't know. But years go by, and you're seeing downtown transform right before your eyes, Jay-Z, because you're there at the games ever so often. You see the condos going up right across the street from the Barclays on the north, the south, the east, and the west. Condos going up everywhere over there. Why aren't you, and maybe he is, I don't know. He is, like, somebody inform us, enlighten us. Like, why aren't you building buildings and, you know, getting your people in there low income because those jobs in Barclays is not paying you enough to live down there. Most of them aren't even paying you enough to live anywhere in New York City. Just making ends meet. Whatever. Okay. You see what's going on around you. All right. Let me get in on this, 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 this condo and... 50% of the units will go to low-income families. Like, let me do that for my people. You know what I mean? Like, I could have, like, I would have been, that would have been the admirable thing to do to me. And because he isn't as vocal about what we're doing, like, say, a DJ MV That's or somebody like that. Maybe we don't know. Like, if somebody knows and can point us to that, please do. Because I don't want to be ignorant on something that's, you know what I mean? Like, if that's the case, then I would like to know and I will make it known. But from what it seems like, he's just, you know, living in his Tribeca penthouse and now in L.A. or whatever, like wherever he is. You know what I mean? Like, and, you know, once in a while he pops out on like a Meek Mill track or something and drops jewels or at a B-Sides concert and drops mad jewelry and everybody go crazy. It's like, okay, Hove, where's your work? In that vein, like, I know, I understand he's doing a lot with, you know, prison reformation and things like that. He's been really instrumental in that whole thing uh, with Meek Mill. But, you know, like, does he have a school? You got a, does he have a school? I think he had a school, didn't he? 
I don't think he has a school. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Has... Like, fuck with his school in Harlem. You know, like, even LeBron got his school. And they killing out there, I promise. Like, I don't, I don't know what Jay's doing. I don't know. Maybe he is. I don't know. But you can't just, you know, be preaching about it. Yeah, show or something, Hove. But that, may, like he said, uh, in that freestyle that um, Nick had a, Nip had a hundred mil on a schedule. Maybe he's the one that put things in place to for Nip to get um, the people, the right people in that shopping center. Not, you know, we heard the story from Sam, but we don't know like what other factors played into it like it's all speculation but you can see where like he was saying like he's he's more so now you know what no I think he's always taking the approach of being the one that's at the top of the barrel trying to pull everybody else up I don't think he's been stingy with um, knowledge and putting people on Yeah, I would agree. It's just that, you know, the gentrification thing is going to happen, period. I, I know some people are having a conversation um, where, well, when African Americans get the capital, then we'll be able to help gentrify our own hoods. But it's like, we have it already. It's just not being knowledge, limited knowledge. Or limited access to the movers and shakers. Because, yeah. like he said on 444, like he could have brought a, a, a building in Dumbo for $6 million And now, now that building is quadruple that. And I think everybody back in that time, uh, I remember having a conversation um, with Eugene. And he was saying how <laughs> all like people in his age range like how they missed out on like buying um brownstones in yeah. Brooklyn when they were dirt cheap. Yeah. Just because you just you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy. When yeah. you think about it, it, it it's ridiculous. Like if I don't wanna make this mad preachy, but it seems like black people are always late. To That's how to get through. That's so true. Black people be like the latest to everything. Except for like the fashion. Black people be on that. Like we the trendsetters on that one. But like <laughs> as far as like wealth acquisition and like black people be late, bro. But it's probably because we think like we're so suspicious and cynical about everything. And we just trying to wait to see it out, but then it turns out to be A1. And then it's like, all right, now we missed the boat. Like, now we can't purchase the house that we grew up in because it's gentrified over here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if my brothers would have thought about buying that house in 1990, you know what I mean? Like, putting down $10,000. 
not, like, not just your brothers, like anybody. You know I mean? Like, no, I'm just saying because I, I was using my my house in the, as an example in Bushwick because Bushwick is hella gentrified now. There's a house around the corner from us that's on sale for one point one million dollars. Like it's a two story. Yeah, it's like two thirds of a of a brownstone, like the brownstone that we grew up in. And somebody bought it and renovated it, and now it's on sale for one point one. <laughs> so, <laughs> just you know, just imagine if we would have known twenty years ago that you know, just yeah, just put ten thousand on it and we'll own it, and now it could be worth nine. $800,000, renovate it, and be even more. So, you yeah. know what my beef is? <laughs> my, my beef is not only with the real estate thing, but just like if you look at like stocks, like let's say your aunt or grandmoms or anybody, Black anybody in the family line. Stocks. Yeah. Black people don't even know the stock game. Like what? If somebody, anybody would have brought you one share of Apple like before Steve came back, when it was yeah. like when they were tanking. Yeah. But yeah, because we don't know. And I think that's the part of the job moving forward is teaching the younger people. Not to say that it's too late for us, because it's not too late, because you can still get into um real estate, you can get into stocks. Out here, yeah. Yeah, it's not too late, but it's something that should be taught early. Yeah, but then that's also in schools and stuff. That's where I was going, is that as opposed to giving us this curriculum of stuff that we're never going to use in our our later years, teach us how to balance a checkbook, teach us about real estate, teach us about stocks and bonds at a young age, because... Ethan and Evan, let's just say they come home talking about stocks and stuff. They may not know exactly what they're talking about now. Yeah. But when they grow up, it'll be like, oh. Oh, I know about that. I know what to do with that. I know how that works. It'll be familiar. Yeah. That's what Jay was talking about with like redlining and boxing all the black people, black and brown people in one community giving them a tenth of the resources that the suburbs and the white kids get. And then, you know, you get stuck with like violence and, and ignorance and poverty. And I guess but it's just going back to that boys in the hood clip. Um, that's what the old man was saying. Like that our neighborhoods ain't bad because it's mm-hmm. bad because we ain't here doing it to ourselves. All right, so let's talk about that because me and Email got into an argument about the super predator uh, comment. I guess that resurfaced because Joe Biden announced his candidacy. Mm. Um, and he was one of the politicians back in the 90s calling black kids super predators. Like they got Clinton, Hillary for it <laughs> a couple years ago when she announced. Um, so I'm like, well, predators is a bit harsh to me. And he's like, well, I don't like, what else do you call it? Like, what else do you call it? Like, uh, kids going into a, a store and blowing somebody's brains out and then taking the money. I'm like, well, you call it desperate. And he's like, well, you can, how do you, how do you, 
how do you explain that to the wife of that guy who was behind the cash register? How do you explain that to his children? How do you explain that to his to his mother, his father? I'm like, I get that. But if you if you're in a situation where you grow up in the in the in the city, in the town, and the only thing surrounding you is crack, gangs, poverty, go to school, 40, 50 kids in the classroom, teacher don't care, she's there for a paycheck, you're not learning anything in school, there's no real opportunity for you as far as uh, making money in a, in a legal way. Like, what are you supposed to do? And if you're a man and you have kids and you can't feed your kids, because there are limited resources around you and you're doing your best. I'm not condoning anybody walking into someone's establishment, blowing their brains out, but people are desperate and that's where violence comes from. It's like, I don't have, I don't have it. I don't have anything. I don't know where to get it from. I see you over here. You have it. All right. Let me get that. That's all black on black crime is. It's a group in a small space trying to survive with limited resources. That was my argument. And he was like, you can't, you can't do that. You did it. What's your stand on it? Nah, you bodied that. I'm sitting there listening. You not you you bodied that. Um because a, a lot of it does, and I'm listening to you saying, wow. I can see I, I can see both sides. But you body that. It is desperation. Like if I have go go to any I'm gonna use Biggie Smalls as the example. I have a brand new daughter. I dropped out of school. I don't have mm-hmm. a, a um a, a, a job where I go to with a suit. Like I what what's around me and what I, I've seen, what I'm not what I've known, what I'm accustomed to is Niggas going out to get it. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. And when I say go out to get it, yeah, you sell drugs because that's what it's not. You can say it's desperation, but you need money and you need it like now. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you do get forced into situations where it's like, well, nigga, let, let me get the ski mask. Let me get the hammer. Let me, you know, but. Because I have to feed my family, not because I want to do this or because I'm just right. ruthless and all this other stuff. Like I have no choice. I grow up in a if I grow up in a neighborhood where the projects they tell you all all the time. Like it's like being in jail, putting cells right on top of each other, giving mm-hmm. you limited resources, and then telling you to figure it out. Yep. Um. You you can't explain it to the families of who then become victims or uh, of deceased. You can't explain it to them. But if I guarantee you, if you go to somebody who's serving a life sentence for something like that, they'll tell you, like, fam, I had to do what I had to do. Like, it, it, at that point, it wasn't about the other person or how their family was going to receive it or what their family was going to do. But I needed to do what I needed to do for me. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't get it. He's like, well, that's the definition of a predator. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it is, but like, 
how about we change what's going on? Like, how about we change the dynamics of the ghetto? How about we just give, you know, public school systems a little bit more resources so uh, they're a bit more adequate and the, the, the classroom sizes are not that big and the teachers are a little bit more qualified or, you know, how about we put, you know, after school programs back in place so kids are not running the streets at three o'clock in the afternoon once they get out of school and then, you know, they get caught up in gangs and selling drugs and stuff like that. Like, how about we uh, put more resources back into these hoods so that, you know, kids have better lifestyles and then there are more opportunities afforded to them. And, you know, it'll eventually decrease the violence and the, and the drugs and all that other kind of stuff because niggas is occupied. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, a, a lot of just sit around... Go ahead. No, I was going to say a lot of it also comes from, and I hate that this is the stigma, but absentee black dads, whether that be them leaving on their own, whether that, whether that be them dying, whether that be them being incarcerated, a lot of absentee, um, a lot of absentee dads create environments where moms is working two jobs. You're the oldest yeah. with other siblings in the house. There's no food here. Mom's about like, she this she on her right. final notice with the red letters like nah we really kicking y'all out and so des- right. desperation was a perfect word for that because at that point your back's to the wall there's nothing there's nothing left there's really it's nothing left. left there's no yeah I think you bodied that and maybe it's and this is crazy that this started with a John Singleton conversation, but maybe it's going back and watching those movies and trying to see how black people had it because how we grew up may not be how somebody else grew up. Like, right. I'm, just, I'm just saying, um, take somebody who, all right, I'll use me for example. If I didn't, if I grew up in Rockland County and knew nothing about life in New York or uh, Brooklyn, staying in Brooklyn my whole life and Queens my whole life, if I grew up in Rockland and not have been um, being ex, um, exposed to any of that stuff, if somebody would have came to my school from New York saying how tough of a time they would have had or they had, I would have been completely clueless. Like, what are you talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah. Yeah, they be like, in their own bubbles. Like, if you ain't really seen it, like you really don't know. You really don't know. Like, people outside the cities is like. I remember when um, Michael Rubin, the guy that's helping Meek Mill with his uh with his parole case, probation case, and they asked him about like police police brutality and stuff like that, and he was just like, he really didn't have no, no reaction because like that's not his world. Like, it's not like he didn't care, but he didn't care because that's not his reality. He doesn't have to deal with, you know, police brutality and he doesn't have young black friends. This was prior to him, um, me and me. He just like, that wasn't my world. I didn't know anything about it. It was like, all right, what are we doing now? You know what I mean? It, was, it wasn't until he met Meek and Meek started to tell him all these stories. And he's like, yo, like, people really live like this? People really deal with this? He like he had no idea. He had no idea. 
And this is a white man living in America, in New York, in, in Philadelphia, and he had no idea. Like, it was just, it's just crazy. It's, it's really crazy. Well, that took us someplace I wasn't expecting, but. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to go there either. Hey! Two step you way, two step you way, two step you way. Two step you way, two step you way. Alright. I'm going to read this to you. Um, I want to get your opinion on how you would have responded to this before we go into. Uh, Spoiler alert for all you idiots who still haven't seen it too. But before we get inside Game of Thrones and um, Avengers conversation, I want to read this to you and I want to get your opinion. It's about this lady who went to this story. I'm going to read it to you. It's called Kids Birthday Party. Is this normal or am I being entitled? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Earlier today I went to a birthday party For my daughter's uh, friend from school She's 6 years old The party was being held at Build-A-Bear But it wasn't run by the employees We had cake and pizza in the food court Then went down to Build-A-Bear to make beers Then back to the friend's house for the rest of the party The invitation said each kid um, There was about 8 kids would, would get to make a bear And I just assumed they would get to take them home Since that is what happened At another Build-A-Bear party I went to me and my husband even pitched in about $30 more because we know these things can get expensive. We get to the store and the kids go wild getting their animals and accessories. As far as I know, the parents didn't really put a limit. But I made my daughter stick to just a standard dog with a shirt, which about half the parents did as well. All is well. We leave the store and the friend's mom announces that the kids need to give all their animals to her daughter. Cue the upset and angry kids. They all disappointingly handed over their animals, and friend wasn't even being nice about it either. Another little boy didn't want to, and a friend ripped it out of his hands. I probably, <laughs> I probably should have said something, but I didn't. The other parents seemed pretty baffled, too. We get back to the friend's house, and our kids are watching as friend plays with her all, with all her new animals. I left my daughter pretty quick. I, I, I left with my daughter pretty pretty quickly. And once we got back into the car, she just started bawling. I felt bad. So we went to build a bear and I got her a new one. I'm just wondering if this is totally normal and I should have expected this, or am I being an entitled parent? Nah, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's why, that's those, those parents are training that kid to be hella narcissistic and spoiled and entitled like yeah you guys make me a bear and then bring it to me like nah nigga I don't like no I'm gonna buy this bear and I'm taking it to my daughter like she want a bear she should have got up and designed her own eight bears Fair. that's weird 
That's I read that. I read that and said, I, "Me and Tiffany are horrible parents now. Like we'll be at the park, the park, and another little kid try to come and take something. That, no, no, no. Yeah, nah, 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 nah. Move, move. Like so, to be at a party where he thinks he's making a bear for himself, and you tell him he has to give it up, we would have got kicked out the party because there's no way yeah, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, nah, no way." No way. No way. I'm like, yeah, Caden, go ahead. Give her the beer that you just built. And <laughs> I don't work for you. <laughs> My kids don't work for you, bro. Nah. You want this beer? Get up and make the exact duplicate. The exact same beer. I'm not giving you my kid's beer that he just built. Nah, nigga. And nope. I put in money for the party. And you trying to tell me, like, Nah. Nah. Uh-uh. Fam. I'm pretty sure they I read that. <laughs> Fam, I would have left with, like, oh, after I saw what people were doing where they were giving a bed to the birthday person and, like, she was rude about it, I'd have like, Kaden, get your bed. Let's go. Like, that's it. <laughs> get your bed. <laughs> that's crazy. I would have watched, watched the room. Oh, that's what y'all doing? Oh, no. Okay, get your bed. Come on. Yeah, we, we like, nah, not at all. And you got you got four to guess with you. So right. <laughs> you got. <laughs> nah. Sorry, sis. Uh-uh. Not on my watch. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. You can get Becky like that. You ain't getting me. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir, no, ma'am. <laughs> That's crazy, though. I've never. Yeah, never. I, I was like, white, white people for you, boy. You're not a chill, bro. You're not a chill. Yeah, that, that ain't you being an entitled parent. That's just common sense, fam. Like, where in the world? What? Where they do that at? You build something and then you give it to somebody. Like, yeah, like you what? present it to like is you Jesus, nigga. Like we just we the wise men. Like we just gonna present you with gifts? No, nah. That kid gonna be a hot mess. What was it? A boy or a girl? Uh, as with girl. Yeah, she gonna be a hot mess. Lots of uh, I, I I read that and said, well, she's gonna grow up getting punched in the face a lot." But <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> she gonna get old and think she can do that to some the wrong yeah. kid. And this gonna be yeah. Somebody well, like, Godspeed, nah, Susan. Good luck in life. <laughs> 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 oh man That's oh boy so thrones you said watch not on my watch not on my watch and his watch uh, has ended what was his name Dolores Dolores uh, I don't I know I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about <laughs> Anybody die that you were expecting to die? 
No, I was expecting Grey Worm to die. Same. I was expecting Tyrion to die. I think I had somebody else. I can't remember right now. But yeah, I was not expecting Theon <laughs> to go charging at the Night King. <laughs> I wasn't expecting Jorah to go out like that after fighting his way back through freaking great grayscale, whatever that thing is he had. I was not expecting um, who was the other one? The nigga with the patch on his eye. That nigga died 17 million times. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, this is the end for him. Cool. But yeah, the, the Theon and the Jory really surprised me. When the episode came on, um, it was funny because Caden was sitting next, like we all were on the couch. Callie was in her chair. Caden was sitting next to Tiffany, and Caden just kept, "What's that?" I said, "Caden, Caden, you, you got one, you got one more question. <laughs> <laughs> you got one more question." <laughs> Get that nigga a phone and turn the volume up on the TV. I'm like, yeah. We ain't gonna do that. Not today. Yeah, Matt was trying to stick me with the twins. I was like, no way in hell. Take them upstairs. I'm not watching Game of Thrones with these niggas. No way. Like, you gotta be kidding me. I watched it by myself in the dark. I was scared the whole time. <laughs> what were your thoughts? Like, that episode, people were saying that they could have played in the movies, like because of how it was shot, how it was scored. Yeah. Um, who's your Who's your MVP? Oh, well, Arya, definitely. Um, honorable mention: the Red Priestess. She would be mine. My she would be my MVP only because. From the very beginning, she got niggas going. Like, yeah. not even MVP of the episode. Like, whenever we needed light to see more stuff, she yeah. came through and she, yeah, all the puns. She came through and she lit it up. Um, I wasn't expecting the entire Dothraki to be wiped out. Nigga. I was talking about how badass the Dothraki were all last week. <laughs> You was getting on me. I was talking about the Unsullied, and you was like, nah, the Dothraki be with... Them niggas was wiped out in 3.2 seconds. First 10 minutes of the episode. Not gonna win this war. But visually, how crazy that was to just see mad lights start to go out one by one. Yeah. I looked at Tiffany, and I said, oh, alright. These niggas ain't playing. Alright. This this is what we doing. Okay, hold the Rocky army gone. Yeah, hold the Rocky army. Are you part of the the people that thinks that John was a uh, pussy this episode? I don't think he was pussy. I think he's stupid. He he's been stupid for he's seven seasons. Stupid. Yeah, like he's just been, like, and he just doesn't get it. It's like you keep being stupid. When when are you gonna learn, nigga? Like, stop being stupid. It was like this annoying time... to me that episode. This nigga go running down on the night king like he wasn't gonna hear you. 
You crunching on body. What's going to happen, John? Hey, this nigga. Nah. Part of that was Khaleesi's fault because when the Rocky died in the beginning, she flew off and did her own thing. Part of it was her then, fault. I give him that. Then this nigga going after her, like, I'm like, fam, like, get your head on the civil. But you right. When that nigga was running down on that, I'm, I was screaming, John, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> the whole time, I'm like, stop, 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 stop. This nigga turns around and then, <laughs> and then raise up everybody that died, the Thraki. Freaking wildlings! I'm so I'm like, oh my god! I'm like these niggas is dead. I don't I, know what's I, happened episode four, but these niggas is dead. <laughs> I just I, I, I saw that and I was like, all right, I give you props for wanting to fight the nigga one D, but fam, like I don't think he was trying to sneak up on him. I think he was trying to like let him know, yeah, I'm bringing the static. But I was like, fam, why? Just yeah, just, like why, why? So many different other ways you could approach that. Um, I yelled at him then. I must have yelled at him 600 times that episode, but that and when he uh, was playing around with the dragon, I'm like, fam. Yeah, right. Screaming in the dragon's mouth. I'm like, all right, John. Like, <laughs> I was hoping he was just going to bite that nigga head off. Because like, at this point, it's like, <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Standing there yelling. I, I didn't get dragon that. breath. Like, what? Do you, go sit down. I I saw somebody. Uh, a lot of conspiracy theory people say maybe because he's Targaryen, he was trying to see like if he was um get fire out his mouth. <laughs> or, or like Khaleesi, where fire doesn't kill him. Yeah. What I know is that it scared the hell out of me, and I was like, all right, my nigga, you wildin'. Um. The first wave when when all of the bodies are like when the bodies hit the floor, I was like, all right, there may be a fighting chance. When that nigga raised everybody else, I was like, fam. Yeah, I was when he raised everybody else, I was like, all right, these, there's no way they're gonna beat these niggas. These uh, dead niggas and they just be running like with no purpose. <laughs> <laughs> just going. <laughs> oh man. And then when Arya, when I saw Arya scared, I was like, all right, I, I can't, I can't handle this right now. I can't. But then the Red Priestess came out of nowhere and was like, what did we tell a god of death? Did you remember that? I remember that. I did. And when she said, um, she not said, today. And then she went running. And I was like, yeah. But then it went back to something else. Did you watch the uh, the after the episode this time this week? Yeah. Did you see how like they said they broke it down in the segments? It was suspense, mm -hmm. then horror, and then action. Um, yeah. Aria had me amped when she first got on the screen and was yeah. using that thing yeah. that her boo made her. I was like, yeah, go get it, yeah. go get it. Um. And when that nigga told the hound, yeah, tell her, like, it's over. And you just saw her bugging yeah. on niggas in the background. Um, I thought she was dead in the library. Yeah. For sure. Thought she was dead in the library. Yeah. Um, 
when she ran off, I had no idea where she was running to. I had no, I, I don't know if it was to try to get, I thought she was going to get Sansa. Let me, let me, I thought she went to go get the niggas in a crib. So mad I was wrong. Well, not mad. I'm so glad that I was wrong. And do you, did you see the videos of like the crowds watching and like, I'm sure your reaction was just like everybody else's. When you first saw her jump, were you screaming? And Yeah, I was screaming. I was screaming. Leo tech, not Leo. Leah's friend texted me and was like, is that you yelling? Like from next door. From a hole in the house. Like, I was like, no! Whoa! And then she slided it. I was like, yo! This nigga. I don't ever want to watch another Game of Thrones episode if they're going to have music playing like they did. Because the entire time, I'm like, all right, music swelling. These niggas is about to die. When she jumped and he caught her, I was like, Arya, yeah. why? Yeah. Yeah. When she yelled, when she jumped, I was like, why are you screaming? Why are you crying? <laughs> yeah, I was, like, I was about to lose it. Lose it. I would just like to go on record and saying one more time that I can't stand Bran and I hope he uh I hope he dies in the next three episodes. I'm like nigga, say something. Don't tell Theon <laughs> you <laughs> Nat. He's like that joke, Matt scary. And I can't But yeah, that nigga Bran was like, I'm gonna go now. <laughs> I slept the whole episode. <laughs> I was yelling at this nigga. Say something to somebody. Give somebody (laughs) strategy. Say anything. (laughs) I think Brian got to like he got to step it up. You got to step it up, Brian. When when Theon charged these niggas, I said, "This nigga, like you, just as dumb. Like, what was your what was your what was your plan after you charged them, Theon?" (laughs) Dion, like, they were just gonna stand there and let you gut him. <laughs> you were charging at that nigga, but um, the producer said that it was kind of like um, Theon's arc culminating because he's always like run from from conflict, uh, like when his sister got captured and he just like hopped off the boat. So it was kind of like he's always he's always run from from the fight. And now he's like, this is the end. So he's just going to confront it head on. Which I thought was kind of brilliant once he explained it. But yeah, Dion, <laughs> I would just sit there like, you should just sit out on Brand's lap and just hope for the best. Nigga, <laughs> anything. Like, yeah. <laughs> nigga went charging like a madman. I was like, all right, Dion, we see you. They could even kill him with the spear part. He stabbed, he stabbed the nigga with the spear part. <laughs> completely disrespected this nigga and stabbed him with the stick part. All right, so remember when when Brandon Sansa got reunited and he was like, "I'm sorry, it had to happen to you here. Like you were so beautiful in your in your wedding dress." Yeah. So who does she marry now? Because I thought it would have been Theon, because she was all giddy and everything when he came back, hugging on him and stuff. 
So I was like, oh, okay, she's going to marry Theon and like die the night of her wedding. I thought he was talking about what happened with her and Ramsey because we never um, saw that. It was just implied because she was like, um, when Littlefinger came back, she goes, you know, she was telling him, like, you don't know what I've been through. You you married me off to Ramsey. You don't know what I, what he put me through. So I'm thinking he was referring to that. Okay. Because I don't see anybody else marrying her in three episodes and having a negative impact. Yeah, I saw um, Danny say that episode five is crazier than the Long Night episode. I can't even imagine. Like, I really can't. Where do we go from here? Like, like I thought that was going to be the series finale. I thought, that, that, was, I thought that was it. Like, that's the climax and the culmination all in one. And what she's saying, episode five is crazier than that. I can't. I cannot I, deal. Yeah, I really can't. I can't even think about it. I can't even think about it. But they don't have no army. Like, what are you going to do? They don't have they no army. They got two dragons, fam. And that's more than Cersei's no dragons. Yeah, but they got that big machine. What's that that doctor's name that's been helping her since like season three? I don't know, but that nigga, he's a little sadistic too. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to get that nigga up out of here because he got all the secrets. He he got all the formulas and everything. Like I, I thought it was pretty dope in that after the episode how they said they knew for three years that it was gonna be Arya because everybody was expecting yeah. it to be uh John. Uh, <laughs> He's like, it didn't feel right. And I'm like, well, thank you, because no, it didn't. The nigga's dumb. But when you think about it, he has been the one to kind of hold it down. Um... Yeah, but then he always, like, the same thing with the Night's Watch. Call himself holding it down and trying to, you know, unite the wildlings with them. And then they, they ended up killing him. And then the witch brings him back. And then he goes to collect a, a walker for Cersei to see. And he almost died there if Daenerys didn't come and save them. Like, he would have been dead again. And then he tries to run down the Night King. And if Arya didn't, like, jump up and kill that nigga, like, he would have been dead again. Like, you're doing too much. You do too much, John. You do too much. Uh, Real nigga. real nigga alert. Real nigga alert. You gotta be smart. They ain't got time for all these games. Real nigga alert. Nigga, let's fight 1D. He was like that with Ramsey. He was like that with the, the white. Nigga, let's fight 1D. Night King wouldn't beat that nigga one up. Listen. I'm saying it. Listen. Nighting is hella scary too, bro. You ain't gotta worry about the nigga no, no more. Sitting there grinning at Bran. <laughs> Bran didn't even say nothing then. Like you got no last words. <laughs> Just looking at the Night King. Like, what's wrong with she, this boy? Khaleesi she burned that nigga. That nigga came out the fire like bitch. <laughs> That's all you got. Out of here. Yeah, that episode was crazy. We told niggas to take emotional 
uh, call-outs last week because it was Avengers first and then Game of Thrones. And I saw like people put um, good luck to the Starks this weekend. Yeah. And if you have not seen Avengers as of yet, this is your this is probably turn it off. But in a week, fam, I was distraught. You cried? No, but I was pissed in the movie theater. Tiffany was like, "Yo, you cried? You cried? I did not. I did not. I did not." I was I was I was really pissed though. Tiffany was like, "Yo, you gotta relax. It's just a movie." I'm like, "Fam, no! It's the one nigga I was connected to this entire eleven years." It's just a movie. Nah, fam. Nah. It's just a movie. I I said before, Robert Downey Jr. I wasn't really a fan of his until Iron Man because I just liked the way that he played the character. Iron Man. Iron Man was a redemptive character for Robert Downey Jr. Like, the nigga was an alcoholic, drug addict. Nobody was trying to work with him. And then he did Iron Man and his career research. So, I guess, you could be sad. I guess you could be sad in that vein. But you should have known from the opening scene, like, all right, this nigga's getting up out of here. No, I thought the nigga, like, what, to be honest... I can't, you couldn't have told me that it wasn't going to be Cap or somebody else. Everybody was saying it was going to be Cap on the internet. That's how you knew it wasn't going to be Cap. My thing was, I always thought Cap was the leader. That nigga was like 80 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) Get Tony out of here. (laughs) Nigga just needed a burger or something. Yeah. Some rest. You just needed some rest. But, but it was a white lady in our in our theater, like bawling. Bawling. Like wailing. I was there like, was, somebody get there was mad people sniffling in our theater too. And I was like, I was looking around like everybody all right. <laughs> but I I was pissed. I ain't gonna I ain't gonna lie. I was pissed. Um mainly because I kept thinking, why did it have to be Tony? Why couldn't it be anybody else? And then I, after I calmed down, I said, well, the whole series did start with Iron Man 1. So it's only right that it started with him. It had mm-hmm. to end with him. Yeah. That's what kind of... I, I was the only idiot in the theater um, after he snapped. I yelled at the top of my lungs when they showed him on the screen again because I'm like, oh, all right, cool. He made it. When that nigga slid down... <laughs> You cried. He immediately went into, yo, these niggas are really (laughs) playing with me. These niggas are playing with me. (laughs) You cried. I did not. I was was pissed. So you were Um, pissed at the overall production, the film, or you was just pissed that he died? No, nah, I was pissed the nigga died. I didn't care nothing about like everybody was saying it was the worst. I'm like, fam, I thought the movie was on point. No, I thought it was really good. Who was saying it was the worst? A lot of people are saying that um the same with Game of Thrones, that like it could have been better for a closeout movie. I thought it would you couldn't have wrote it any better. Like yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Um did you like 
I think movies, movies like that, are only good if your theater is good. Did your theater lose it at certain scenes, like cheering and all that? No. Ah, uh, your theater was whack, cause I was in Jersey when Captain America got the hammer. Them niggas in my theater was going crazy. I think that part, that was the only part that they did chip. But everything else was just like, okay. Everybody was just sitting there watching it. And then when Tony died, that one lady that was like wailing. Like that was pretty much it. Nah, when the nigga got the hammer and when everybody started coming um when coming back, I know I, I was the only one to yell for Spider Man because I was really <laughs> jacked up. Email was excited to see Spider Man too. At the end of Infinity War, I was jacked up. I'm like, no, y'all niggas is playing low. Endgame opened up on some BS. With them niggas showed Hawkeye and his family turning to dust. I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I see what y'all doing. I see what y'all start. <laughs> <laughs> I see how y'all start. <laughs> but yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it didn't really even feel like three hours. Fam. All right. So you went to Jersey. Y'all had y'all seats pre pre picked out. Because that's the way movie theaters are now, correct? Correct. Uh, I can say with a surety, um, I understand Tiffany's bouginess for having to go to a theater that wasn't like that. Fam, you remember the last time I had to go to a movie to get seats ahead of time? Yeah. Yeah, it's foreign. It's a foreign concept. Yeah. I showed up. There was a line. I'm like, nigga, what's that one line? Oh, yeah, I forgot. This is what happens when you don't have assigned seats. Wait, what theater was that? Nigga, I don't want to talk about it. It wasn't our normal theater. I'll just say that. I yeah, went everybody did where that. I could get tickets. Oh, I went where I could get tickets. Remember when they first started that? And nobody understood it. It was like, this is so stupid. Like, what's the point of having assigned seats in movie theaters? Yeah, but I was one got, of those people. As you got older, you were like, "Okay, this makes <laughs> this makes all the sense in the world." <laughs> but I saw, I saw, I saw two ends of the spectrum. Me sitting there having to get there early just to get seats, and then people showing up. Movie started at six o'clock. Then you got niggas showing up at six on the dot, six fifteen, talking about, "Oh no, I'm not doing this. I'm getting my money back." Fam, one, it's Avengers all <laughs> day. And two, did you really think they was gonna like you was gonna walk in and have a seat at six fifteen if the movie started at six? Yeah. But that's the good thing about that assigned seat now. Like you ain't got to rush. You know, do what you got to do. Go to the bathroom. Go to the concession stand. You know, walk in whenever you want, and your seat right there. It's like yo. This is I. Right. This is all right. I ain't gonna hold you. Um, I'm probably not. Yeah, bougie. Uh, one two one two bougie. I'm never going to another movie theater where I have to get there early to get my seat. Yeah, you know, if that's I can't ridiculous. pick my seat, nigga. That's so 2003. <laughs> hold my seat, nigga. <laughs> Yo. It was so, cause I got to the theater before Tiff, so I had to hold the seats down. 
Nigga, I'm like, I can't even get up to go to the concession stand because these yeah. savages are gonna take take yeah. my seats. Yeah, that that's yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't wish that experience. Go back to that lifestyle. Yeah, I, I'm I'm never going back. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm never going back. I, I can't can't go backwards. <laughs> Can't go backwards. Um, I know we called our uh, teams for the playoffs. Are you changing your picks? Are you still good with your picks? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so I was wrong about the Thunder series with Portland. We both were. Yeah. And didn't I pick the Spurs? Didn't we pick the Spurs in seven? Um, hold on. I feel like I would have picked the Spurs in seven. And if that's the case, you're wrong about that. Um, accurately predicted the Houston Jazz joint. No, you picked the Nuggets. You picked the Nuggets in six. Okay. So they won in seven. All right. So I was right about that. Um, We both had the Nuggets in six. I did have Houston beating <laughs> beating the Warriors. <laughs> that don't look too good. <laughs> it's still early, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go on and live with that. If that's what... But you know what? Watching the watching those two games, what I think happened last year was that Golden State was just so cocky. As they are, thinking that they would just breeze through everybody, and they weren't really taking Houston seriously. So Houston came out a little bit physical, you know, shooting, punching them niggas in the mouth, and they really have no fight back. And then CP3 went out, and it was like, all right, we good. But I think this year, with all the chatter, Clint Capella, you know, after they won that that Utah series, he was like, yeah, we want Golden State. And then flying out to Oakland, you know, two days earlier than they, what they were supposed to. And I think Golden State is up. Like, all right, we see y'all, we hear y'all, we're going to be ready for y'all. And I think that's what's happening now. So I'm a little afraid for my prediction because when Golden State is up, like up and ready, they're a scary team. And we've seen it these past two. Like Kevin Durant has scored a lot. Stephen Clay went freaking injured on Sunday in game one, and they still won that game. And they haven't scored a lot of points either. So, I don't know, Houston. I don't know. Um, two things about this series. Uh, Golden State wanted Houston so much they almost didn't make it to them because they look past the Clippers to get to yeah. Houston. Yeah. This um this series um after game one when James Harden, who shoots the most free throws out of anybody in the NBA, said he just wants a fair wants them to call it fair. I said, fam, if we're gonna do this um I'm not getting calls thing now, then it's going to be a long series for you niggas. Like, 
Yeah. It's the playoffs. You, you don't get the same yeah, calls. You, know you don't get the same calls. Like, come on. Also, you went to the line 14 times, which so, is higher than your league average <laughs> of about nine. So, like, you know, just chuck it up and play ball. Like, that's – we talked about it before. Like, Harden's game is so annoying to watch because he's not really, like, playing ball. He's just, like, playing – it's like a manipulation game with him. Like he's like playing to get fouls. So you can go to the foul line and you know get free points. You know what I mean? It's That's like- what Scott Van Pelt said. Scott Van Pelt said it's not um, the free. It's not the the three pointer attempts. It's the okay foul me so I can go to the line for three shots. Yeah, like you you can, and you can tell by the way he's landing. Like he's like shooting his hip out so he can land in front of the defender and kicking his legs up like. Nigga look like he was doing a drop kick move. Like, just play ball. <laughs> just play ball. You can score. Like, you got handle. You can get to the basket. Like, just play ball. Stop trying to get fouls. And I think that that hurt him definitely in game one because he kept trying to do it because it worked for him in the regular season. And then he gets to the playoffs and he thinks he can, he can do the same thing. And the rest is like, nah, this is different. This is not regular season. This is not even round one. In round one, he was getting some of those calls still. It was like, all right, the further you go, like, the tight is going to be called. And you have to know that. Like, you're a vet. Like, this is not your second, third year in the league. Like, you've been in the league a long time. You have to know that. And, like, just play. Like, Kevin Durant be saying, like, I just want to play ball. Like, nigga, just play ball. Just play ball. Don't rely on the refs to give you calls. If you do your job, you know, you can live with that. I tried my best. But we didn't make it. Like that's on me. You can't be like, oh, I tried and the rest wasn't. Like, nah, don't put it in the ref's hands. You're the one that's getting paid forty million dollars. Like, that's on you, bro. You do what you gotta do. Don't rely on the referees. There's a video. There's a video of this nigga shooting an uncontested three, and he goes straight up, comes straight down. Comes straight down. There's a, yeah. In the same video, him shooting a contested three, his legs kick out at least three feet. Like yeah. he'll he'll jump from one place and his legs will kick out, so he lands. Yeah. Um, it's like fam, you clearly are looking for a bailout. Yep. Yeah. As opposed to just playing your game, like. Yeah. yeah, it's annoying. Like I just like I hate that about his game. Like just like you you can score the basketball. Just go out and score. Just go out and score. Stop with the manipulation tactics. Just play ball. And, you know, that's, I don't know. Now he got scratched up eyes. <laughs> Grandma fingernails must be wild dirty. This nigga yeah. always. I don't that be scratching his butt before every game. <laughs> 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 I am say messing up somebody's eyes. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know. Houston, they're gonna have to. CP3 doesn't look the same to me. Like last year in the Western Conference Finals, like he was, he was up and at it. Like this series, he just seems to kind of be like even killed to me. I don't know. It's something weird. It's something weird I'm seeing with uh, with with Chris Paul's game. Like he hasn't been a, an effective number two. Uh, maybe if he steps it up, he probably will at home. You know. Home crowd tends to bring the best out of you. Um, so I'm guessing they'll play a lot better. The reserves. Yo, know. 
Iman Shumpert is the worst basketball player I've ever seen. <laughs> Iman Shumpert has very high basketball IQ. Why was he shooting threes like someone was asking him to be in a three-point cut? Like, that nigga shot. <laughs> he a green light. <laughs> he wasn't even hitting anything. He was yeah. way off on every three he shot. But that's what I'm saying, though. Like, at home, he'll probably hit those shots because it'd just be, like, a different energy. That thing is probably time. never getting in the game again. Like, he's this playoff. But he's useful. Like, nigga got a championship ring. He's useful. Mike D'Antonio don't know how to coach. Houston uh, yeah. don't even set plays. Fam, I forgot Kenneth Fareed was on the Rockets. That's how much, like, I'm like, wait. Yeah. Huh? I heard somebody say, I forgot what I was watching, that they signed um, Fareed for Boogie. And, you know, Boogie's injured now, so it's like, okay, like, he has no purpose because he, he's not quick enough on the switches. So that was like a waste of a sign um, for Houston. But, yeah, he you, he, you can't play him. That house nigga, he was, <laughs> he was standing there watching the ball, like, what are you doing? Jump up and try to get the rebound. What's wrong with you? Probably can't play him. Um, Nene oh, is Bart. He's a good defender. I don't know. Mike D'Antoni can't coach to me. It's just like, all right, go ahead. Like, go. Give give James the ball. Give Chris the ball. You know, and whatever happens, we'll live with it. Uh, what I will say um, before it even gets to this point, Kevin Durant is playing possessed. And, and best basketball player right now, Kevin Durant. Yeah, it's not even it's not even close. And when I say that, it's no disrespect to Braun or anybody else, but he legit Kevin Durant is getting whatever looks he wants. He is pulling up on whoever is guarding him, and he's playing like when he's after he said, "Come on, y'all know my name." Like yeah. he's playing. Like what he said, Ned. Like yeah. I was looking to see if his play was gonna like fall after that comment, but the nigga, I it, it got so bad. I, I I wanted to see if this nigga was gonna average forty for the um for the playoffs or for a series, and I wanted to see if it had been done. Yeah, almost. I think yeah. he's thirty six so far. Fam, and I, I'm like. Nah, let me see if someone actually has averaged 44 a series or for the playoffs. And, of course, who do you think? Kareem? Kareem, you said? Yeah. He's not even on a list. Really? That's shocking. Okay, give it to me. Michael, Jeffrey, Jordan, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor are some of the names that come up consistently. Um, Fun fact, Jordan is the only player with multiple 40-point-per-game series. He has the record for five times. The nigga had 40 points 
average for a series? Yo, Mike would have averaged 50 points a game in today's NBA. Nigga. 40 points. Last player to do it was MJ in 93, where he averaged um, 40, 40 points per game for the finals. Nigga. The finals. The nigga averaged 40 points per game in 1993. For the they were only scoring like 80, 90 points back then. So he was average half the half of the team's scoring. <laughs> <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I thought this was a crazy um crazy stat too, but uh where is it at? Um All right, just just listen to the, these numbers MJ put up, nigga. In '92 against the Heat, he <laughs> averaged 45 a game on 61 percent shooting. <laughs> wow! Wow! Nigga, <laughs> on 61 percent shooting. He averaged 45 points a game. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I looked at that stat and I said, fam, that, that's, un- <laughs> that's ungodly. Yeah. That's crazy. 61%. Shooting, you average forty-five in a series for the series, not a game or in the land of a big man. Kevin Durant might break that record of averaging um forty for a series. And if he does, kudos to him. But yeah, that, that nigga's playing possessed. And it's almost like no matter who you put on me. No matter like where I catch the ball, like I think the nigga starts the game with heat checks, like just to see mm-hmm. if he's still on. Yeah, a, re- a reporter was asking um, Lou and Patrick Beverly, like, do you think is anything different you could have done to slow down Kevin Durant? And they were laughing, like, like what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> like, what did you expect us to do? Like, he's a seven foot freak. Like anything he wants, he can get. He's seven feet already, and then when he raises up, he's eight feet, eight and a half feet. How do you supposed to? De- how do you defend that? He's like, how do you defend that? What would you have wanted us to do? I ain't gonna lie. This is the Kevin Durant I've been waiting for. Um, it reminds me. It's very reminiscent of when LeBron finally um took into Miami, Miami being a bad guys mm-hmm. and he just played. Yeah. That's what Kevin Durant was reminding me of now. Like, it's like y'all niggas talk about me in the media. Y'all talk about everything else, but my game. And now I don't care. Not now. You, now you have no choice, but to talk about my game. Yeah. Do you leave so. if you're Kevin Durant? Nigga, 
honestly, I'm not gonna say for selfish reasons, but why would you leave? Like, unless yeah. you want to go try to prove that you're the man someplace else to get that monkey off your back of people saying you chasing rings. But that's like Shaq leaving um L.A. Like, nigga, why? Y'all could have put in work if y'all stayed together. Yeah. I hope he. I, I think we. That. Pre- I predicted that he would leave. But that was when I predicted that the Rockets would beat them and, you know, he would be motivated to try to do something elsewhere. But now it doesn't look like the Rockets are going to beat them and I don't see who else could. Like the Rockets are their biggest threat. I don't think anybody in the East could even... Like who? The Bucks? The Celtics? Bucks can't... Like, they have issues with the Celtics. Right. Like, yeah... Like, come on, y'all got blown out by the Celtics. But then y'all came back, you know what I mean? But Kyrie only had nine points, so... You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I I, I don't believe in the Bucks, The Celtics. Yeah. Brian said that the Houston... um Houston Golden State Series is the finals, and I kind of agree. Like, yeah. Yeah, this is it. Like, if Houston don't beat them, then three-peat them. You know what I mean? So, like, and if you three-peat, okay, so do I, like, walk away from a championship team that's moving into a brand-new arena? Uh, Not statues of me. Like, do I leave that to go to New York, play for the Knicks? A historic, dysfunctional organization with a crazy-ass <laughs> owner. Like, like, do I really leave this culture and just go to something unknown? You know what I mean? Like, and although I do think, like, his business is out here, so it probably would make sense for him to come out here, but... Like, you know what I mean? Like, really? Like, you're going to leave a mansion to go live in Marcy Projects? <laughs> like, that's just how I see. Like, I don't... I don't I don't know... I don't know if his decision is, like, LeBron's, which is, like, more business-wise. Because LeBron could have gone anywhere. Like, LeBron should have gone to San Antonio play for Pop. But, you know what I mean? Like, he chose L.A. because it was, like, a business decision. I don't know if it's because he knows this is his last contract. Like, after this, he'll retire. Um, but Katie is, like, five years, four or five years behind LeBron. So I don't know if his next basketball decision would be more business. You know what I mean? Because he's not really at the tail end of his career like LeBron is. So I don't... So now I'm rethinking everything, like... Okay, yeah, his business is out here, but he's still he's still trying to play ball. What would you do? Like on the one hand, like the culture is great. Everybody around the league talk, around the league talks about you know Golden State, the ownership, Bob Myers. It's a really great culture there, Silicon Valley. You know, you got all these off the court opportunities. Um, I think Katie was an early investor in Postmates. Um, so I don't like I don't know like on the one hand it's like all right I won three, like do you get bored with winning? I don't know like I've never played 
competitive sports on that level. You know what I mean? Like when you keep winning, keep winning, keep winning, do you still have the drive to keep winning? Do you want to stay in that or you want to like experience something else? Um, or it's like, all right, we, you know, we create magic here. Like let's, let's keep going to, to the wheels run off. Um, or it is like, all right, I've done, I've done it all here. And let me go find something else. Let me go do something else. Try to create something else elsewhere. Like, I don't know. For me, I would, I, I would, I would stay in what's comfortable for me. Like, you don't know how that would affect you mentally, how that would affect you emotionally, um, how that would translate into your, into your play. You know what I mean? Like, when something is weighing on you, can that affect your basketball skills? You know what I mean? Like, does that change your project, your projection in any way? Like, right now, you're in the conversation of being the greatest basketball player in the world today. Like, you've never been that. So do you jeopardize like that? You've always wanted that since what? When he said that thing about um, LeBron, I'm tired of being number two. Uh, I think that was last year. I was the second pick, you know, like Mm -hmm. all this. I'm tired of being number two. Like, all right, now is the time when you're not really considered a number two. Like, it's your league right now. Like, do you jeopardize that by going to some organization that's not as as great as the one that you're in now, uh, playing for a coach that you really don't know in a system that maybe really doesn't um, benefit you or highlight you in the way that it would in Golden State where the ball just moves fluidly and whoever gets his scores and, you know, it's just free-flowing basketball. Do you risk all of that? You know what I mean? Like, I I don't know. I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could. Here's my thing. If I if I'm winning championships, not spaced out, but I'm winning um one and two, possibly three, like back to back. If I'm winning championships in a system that's so um unselfish and like okay, you you the hot hand. I, I, I know I'm the greatest shooter on the planet, but you the hot hand, we're gonna keep feeding you like to leave that to go someplace where you're in a rebuilding stage, like coming from a championship yeah. team, yeah. championship caliber, the mentality you you won, you know what that feels like to so not have to go to a team where you have to start from scratch. Yeah, if it's building, draft, if it's, yeah. yeah, like okay, so let's say you do go someplace else. Let's say New York, and y'all make it to the playoffs. Okay. Y'all may make it to the finals, but if the West is only getting better and you make it to the finals, it's like, okay, well, now what? If especially if if, if you and Kyrie, if that's who goes to New York, if y'all are the only ones with playoff experience on a team where it's like the bench, y'all don't have a bench, it's just yeah. y'all and Zion. If he goes there, it's like, okay, well. Am I gonna have to play forty three minutes like right. all year just so we can make? It? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't, I, I don't know if I would like. And you could try to four P. I ain't never been done. Never been done. So you know, you you talk about being on the right side of history. This one for the history books. So I don't, I don't know. 
he seems to be very happy now. But then, of course, we don't really know because we're not, you know, we don't know him. We're not around him. But I don't, uh, I just, I, I don't, I couldn't leave a happy place going to something unknown. I don't think I could. I don't know. Unless it was a complete, you know what? I'm just going to retire. Like, I, I, I got three Yeah, rings. that's why, like, that's why I was, that's why I mentioned LeBron. Like, LeBron has his rings. He got the rings in Miami. Then he went home and he promised his hometown a ring. And he did that. And he's like, all right, like, I'm getting older. There's a lot of young bloods out here. Um, I can just go out in L.A. and do my, you know, do my thing. And he has been. Like, he got a lot of work. <laughs> non-basketball related um so in that sense it made sense you know for him to go to to LA but like I said I don't I don't think I don't think KD is is thinking about retirement I think he's probably thinking he could play another 10 years so his next move would be more basketball related than LeBron's that's crazy the nigga still like he's he still has 10 years (laughs) On his career, that's scary and crazy in itself. Yeah, what is he like? 28, 20, 20, 30, 29? How old is he? Fam, I think he's thirty. I think he's thirty. He came to leave you what? Twenty. Twenty ten. Kevin Durant. Yeah, he's third. Fam. All right. La- yes, last question. Probably get another two contracts, two max contracts. This is bringing me into my, my, my last conversation before I let you go. Um, him playing a couple more years. Uh, do you see Gilbert Arena say um, he thinks Vince should step aside and let the young talent um, play? How do you feel about teams or not teams? Players not taking a spot from Vince, but feeling like he should give it up to the younger people. No, you gotta earn it. It's competition. I agree. And if forty-something-year-old Vince is still in a position yeah, where he's earning like his spot, corporate America, where you're just like seventy years old and you you refuse to give your position to you know some young fresh blood, but it's like. This is a competition. If a 19-year-old can't beat me out of uh, a seven spot on the bench, then you probably don't belong here. Like, I ain't the reason you ain't make the team. Basically. So, yeah, Gilbert, he don't say nothing that makes sense to me. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't get him. Like, he's different. He's different. But yeah, Vince keep playing till you know the wheels fall off. <laughs> keep going, old head. Oh, oh geez. That it. You got any shows? Do I have a show? Oh. Chambers on Netflix. Chambers on Netflix. Um, mine isn't really a show; it's a movie. Uh, American Made. Oh, 
with Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, I'm not going to give away the storyline because the storyline is the best part of the movie, but uh, American Made. All right. Continue to get your excuses ready for Monday. Um, It'll be after the fact, but happy birthday, Tiff. You'll hear this on your actual birthday. So happy birthday. May the 4th be with you. I know that's corny, but still. Wow. Happy is this your tiff? My tiff. Oh, I didn't realize they were so close to yours. What? You didn't say happy birthday, Tiff? I did. You said I don't hear what you said just now. No, I said I didn't realize I never realized her birthday was so close to yours. Yeah, this nigga be sweating me. Or you her. I was born first, my nigga. Knock it off. She was sweating you. She I was a Taurus, so she felt like she had to be a Taurus. Like, this nigga with me. Okay. You done? I might be. I might be. Cool, cool, cool. Cool story, bro. I might be. So, but yeah, that's all I have. Sounds great. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah. In our bag. Ah. I don't know why I did that. Okay. Whatever. But yeah. <laughs> Catch you niggas on the flip side. Two hours. Yes, sir. <laughs>